The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, good morning, Tower View. Welcome back. Not that you went anywhere. Um, things have just been a little bit different the past two weeks. So last week, Darren was out of town, and so he did the Sunday school lesson, and I was preaching, so I didn't do the Sunday school lesson. That was my goal, but, you know, sometimes we don't hit all our goals, and life goes on. So... Here we are, continuing our study through the book of Job this morning. Uh, if you don't know, I am Associate Pastor Nelson Nisley at Tower View Baptist Church. You see that there on the screen. Um, where, Tower View, what is Tower View Baptist Church? Well, you can check us out on towerviewkc.com. We are in Kansas City, Missouri, um, right off Interstate 435, right in front of a big colorful water tower that's painted in the color scheme of a roller coaster park and, and, and water park that's also right across on the other side of the interstate from us. So I-435 and 48th Street is the exit. We're at the corner of Randolph Road and 50, Northeast 50th Street. Not hard to find. If you're in Kansas City, you know where that water tower is, so you know where we are. But you can check us out on our website. There's a phone number. I'll talk about more of that later. And thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we're going to be continuing our book, studying the book of Job today as we continue on through studying God's wisdom in the wisdom literature. Let's see. Let me check some things here. Let's see. We got people watching. Uh, nobody is saying anything that they can't hear me, so everything must be going hunky-dory. Um, let's see. Um, <laughs> okay. Oops. Clicking things to make sure everything's working. All right. Everything seems to be working, which is great. Uh, All right. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings that you do. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. Help us as we study your word. We just pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, today we're going to be looking at Job chapter 38 to 41. That's, um, I never remember the lesson numbers. Um, that's lesson number six. Last week, lesson five, which we really didn't go over because Darren didn't do that one, was the uh, speech from Elihu. Elihu's speech is like five or six chapters long. There are books of the Bible that are shorter than Elihu's speech. Okay, there were numerous Old Testament and New Testament books that are shorter than Elihu's speech. Elihu only speaks one time, and he's never interrupted whether that's because nobody wanted to interrupt him or he didn't let them interrupt him. I don't know. It doesn't say. But it's starting in verse 30, chapter 32 through chapter 37, 
was Elihu's speech. And the thing to remember about as you read Elihu's speech, as you read the speeches of Job's three friends, that this is wisdom literature. Okay, this is different than Paul's letters that we read in the New Testament. It's different than the Gospels in that sometimes you got to be careful. You can't just take one verse by itself out of context. you got to really study the context. And so wisdom literature is meant to be taken as a whole. Read the whole book and see where the whole book is flowing before you go back and look at just one verse and say, oh, well, that's what this means. Because in, especially in, well, Ecclesiastes, when we start studying that in a couple of weeks, um, they, the speakers say things that aren't always exactly right. Job's three friends say some very wrong things. They get some things right. They get some things sort of right. And they get some things completely wrong. And so you've got to take it as a, as a picture of the whole. And so we can't take Job's three friends and, and, and his fourth one, Elihu, and just say, hey, you know, what, what's, what's going on here? And, and take those verses and think, well, that's scripture, therefore it, it, we, can, we can use it. Wisdom literature is not that way. You've got to take the whole book together and see how it's flowing and see where the verses you're looking at fit into the whole, into the whole of that book, but also into the whole vein of scripture. Wisdom literature is more nuanced. It's not like the Ten Commandments when God spoke in Exodus chapter 20, where God said, this is how it is. It's not like the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, which is the law, which is laid out and says, here is how it is. The wisdom books take life, look at life a little bit more philosophically, and you got to take them as a whole. And looked at them together. There were a few verses you can take out of Job, and you can and you can bank on. But a lot of it, you got to go. Okay, wait a minute. What's going on here? Who is speaking? Why are they speaking? Because even Job's speeches, you got to remember where he's coming from. He's coming from pain and suffering, more than most of us have ever faced. And sometimes that affects his theology. So take it as a grain of salt, but then also you got to take it that says that in all God's in all Job's words, he did not sin against God. But then we read God's speech, and it looks like Job has some work to do. There's a lot of things that Job needs to clarify in his life and in his mind. And so wisdom literature has to be taken as a whole, not piecemealed out. Even God's speech here, we got to take as a whole for everything that it is. So Elihu speaks and he, uh, of, the, of the four speakers that, other than Job, he is the most right, but he still doesn't get everything right. He still has issues. He still blames Job for all his problems. Job still has some secret sin that he hasn't, he hasn't uh, confessed, that hasn't, he hasn't repented of. And he seems to think that God will immediately zap anybody who sins. And God's grace doesn't do that because otherwise we'd all be dead. None of us would survive out of childhood. If God zapped us as soon as we deserved it, we probably would never be born. 
because of God's grace and mercy, we have any good stuff at all in our lives. And that's, I think, the biggest point, because as I'm read, read the Lord's words, my first thought was, God, you didn't answer the question. That's my first thought as I read through this. And so that's what we're going to look at today is Job starting in chapter 38 and going, going through and looking at the word God's speech to Job. As far as we know, it is just, um, just Job is the only one that's listening to God. He, the, 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 the others are not part of this speech. Um, it's only Job. So we, in chapter 38, starting in verse 1, it says, the Lord, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. The Lord, Yahweh, that's, Lord is all capitalized. That means it's Yahweh in the, in, in the Hebrew behind it. Answered Job from what? From the whirlwind. The same word that's used to describe what happened to the children of Job when they died. That a whirlwind came and collapsed their house and killed everybody inside, except for one servant. And so that's what God is coming to. But if you remember, it's like, wait a minute, God spoke out of the whirlwind? But when Elisha was running from Jezebel and King Ahab, and he went to the mountain of God, there was a whirlwind there, and and God was not in the whirlwind. God was only in the still, small breeze. And God spoke with a soft voice to Elijah. But here, God speaks out of the whirlwind. Well, which is it? Well, God can speak out of anything. He can speak out of a whirlwind. He can speak out of a still, soft breeze. One, as you go through Scripture, even let's look at Jesus when he, when he healed people. He didn't have a formula that he did every single time that he healed them. He did it differently every time. You look at the miracles through the Old Testament. The prophets didn't do the same thing every time when somebody was healed. God is not a mantra to recite. He is not a a cosmic ATM for us to get stuff. He is not a holy Santa Claus to bless us when we ask the right way and we live and we're good little boys and girls and don't do bad things because he's checking his list. God doesn't work that way. He is kind and he's gracious, but he's not controllable by us. He does not work on our demand. Do we pray to him? Absolutely. And God will answer those prayers, maybe not in the way that you think they should be answered, and maybe not in the time period you think that they should be answered. And sometimes God says, you know, you're asking for something I'm not going to give you because that's not what you need right now. I have a bigger plan. God can look through all the time in history. Think about it. The United States of America, we celebrated last year, is 245 years old. How much of it have you lived through? God has been there through all of time. 
He sees all the time forward. He sees all the time past, all the way to the beginning of Genesis when he started to create the world and the universe. He was there at that time. He knows the future. He knows what all the prophecies that we argue about and say, what do they mean? Have they been fulfilled? Have they not been fulfilled? God already knows. He's been there. Time does not matter to him. It limits us, but it doesn't limit him. He knows your whole life. Just check out Psalm 139. He's got it laid out. He knows nothing that's happened is surprising to God. And so as we look at God's words, remember that. Job, while he lived older than more, he's older than us, he still just lives a blip on, on the radar of God. He's, just, he's still just a blip on the radar of God, all that God has done. So Job 38, verse 2, here God starts speaking. Who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question, you will inform me. And so remember all of Job's boasts. He wants to speak to God. He asks, God, I want to have a counsel with you. I want to tell you how this is unjust, how I'm being punished. This isn't fair. I have served you. I have not sinned the way the others have sinned in this world. I am innocent. I, I don't I want to talk to you, God. I want to plead my case before you. And so God answers him. And he and he doesn't answer nicely. It says, Who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? So we think through all the words of Job, and we say, hey, Job has not sinned with his words, but yet then God says his words are ignorant. Why? Because Job doesn't know everything that's going on. We got an insight because we read chapters 1 and 2 of Job. We got a, a picture of what happened in heaven. Job hasn't seen that yet. Get ready to answer me like a man. The words behind it is like, gird up your loins. I posted a meme about that. How to gird up your loins. It's getting ready to go to work. Getting ready for a run. Getting ready for battle. You gird up your loins. And so God begins to ask a series of questions and doesn't give Job a chance to answer. Where were you, in verse 4, where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? All these things are being asked. Verse 6, who supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? And now he's talking about things we don't even know about. The morning stars sang the sons of God shouted for joy. Who are these people? We don't know. I could speculate, but that's just all it is, is speculation. But God's asking, where were you? Do you know all these things? And that's the point. Job doesn't. Job doesn't know the answer to those questions any more than we do. Now, we have geology. 
in cosmology that scientists study the history of things. Neil deGrasse, you know, a famous physicist, he talks about these things. And we know much more about how the science and the physics that happened in the creation of our world. I don't dispute the order of things that scientists do. I might dispute how long they took, because we really don't know how long they took. My guess is it was longer than a week, but not a not billions of years. But who knows? But the point is, God knows these things, and we don't. Job doesn't. And then he continues along with the creation. Verse 8, who enclosed the sea behind doors? Verse 12, have you ever, has, have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn in its place? Verse 16, have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked the depths of the ocean? Well, in Job's time, no. Today, you could do that. We have submarines that go, can go to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, the deepest part of the ocean that we know of. And we get submarines that can do that. We get submarines that go to the bottom of any part of the ocean. We have satellites that can look through the water and see the ground underneath the oceans. And you can get maps of the bottom of the oceans. But that's not the point. Just because we can map it doesn't mean we can create it. Doesn't mean we can control it. God can. We understand when the sun's going to rise. We have, you, you can pick a da- any date in history and, and, and say where you are on the earth. And we, can, we can do calculations and figure out exactly what, where the sun was, or what angle it was from, from you, and exactly what time it comes over the horizon. But we can't control it. We can't change the orbit of the earth. And that's the, all these questions that God is asking. Job. It's about creation. Verse 19, 38, 19. Where is the road to the home of light? Well, we know light comes from the sun, but can we follow it? Well, yes and no. In badly if you do. Um, verse 25. Who cuts a channel for the flooding rains or clears the way for lightning? Well, we can build canals and change the courses of rivers, and we, men have done that over the course of time. However, we can't, still can't control lightning. We can put up lightning rods to try to attract it, but we can't guarantee when it's going to hit, and we have no idea you know, the timing of it. We can't create a thunderstorm. And then verse 31 can you fasten the chains of the Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? So he's talking about the constellations, the stars. Can we control those things? No, we can't even get to them. You know, I'm a sci-fi guy. I watch all kinds of science fiction shows, Star Trek, Star Wars, Stargate, uh, Babylon 5, Andromeda. There's all kinds of them out there that I've watched. Um Buck Rogers in the 24th century. That was an old show. And in all those in all those TV series, we can travel to the stars in a matter of minutes, maybe weeks or months. But if we tried to go to the closest star to Earth, 
it would take us decades to get there on the fastest ships that we have. Decades, if not, no, it, it, it's, it's not even, it's, it's years. It's, it's, well, that's why it's decades. A long time. But then verse 36, who put wisdom in the heart and gave you, gave the mind understanding? And so not so much creation, but wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It comes from God. And then he continues with the creation or with nature, but now he goes to animals in verse 39. Can you hunt prey for the lioness or satisfy the appetite of young lions? And so all these animal ones, we, we kind of know so we know the answers to these now. Job didn't. Can we do that? Well, I mean, we take care of lions. I mean, we do a bit zoos and such, not in the wild, for the most part. Chapter 39, verse, verse 1. Do you know when the mountain lions goats give birth? Well, we do now because we have people that go out there and sit for days on end with telephoto lens and, and, and trail cameras. We, we can figure some of this stuff out. But that took much patience and, and needed a lot of technology. But we still don't control it. And so chapter 39, he goes through all kinds of nature things about wild donkeys and, and wild ox. And the ostrich, you got to read about the ostrich, it's hilarious. Read about the ostrich and the horse, which was not a farm animal at that time, it was a war animal. And so it's described as a war animal. Then it talks about the, the hawk and the eagle. And then we get to chapter 40. The Lord answered Job. And so we, get, we at the beginning of this, he talked to Job, and then he used all these illustrations from creation and, and nature. And in chapter 40, verses um, 1 and 2, the Lord answered Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who argues with God give an answer. So he, he God is saying, Okay, Job, what's your answer to all these questions? And here's Job's answer. Verse, chapter 40, verse 3. Then Job answered the Lord, I am so insignificant. How can I answer you? I place my hand over my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not reply twice, but now I can add nothing. I've spoken once, twice. What, what, what's that all about? Well, saying I spoke one, two, I've spoke too many times. I should have shut up before. Kind of like a preacher who preaches too long. He's like, you know, you should have set up 15 minutes ago. Um, and, and so uh, that's what Job Job's saying, I spoke too much. I'm going to cover my, and, and quit talking. He says, I am insignificant. Insignificant. And I mentioned that last week in, in my sermon, you know, we are insignificant compared to everything. I mean, just look at life. You think, well, you know, well, I'm an American. Well, so are over 300 million other people. 300 million. Can you fathom that? Just in the Kansas City area, there's over a million people, and you're just one of them in the, in the whole metropolitan area. 
In the whole world, there are over 7 billion people. You're just one of them. And think about how big you are. Compare that to the size of this world. You're nothing. We can't see an individual person from space without some really good uh, telephoto lenses, optics. And just think of how big our world is. And you can compare that to the size of the sun. We can fit hundreds of Earths inside the sun. Way more than that. I don't remember the number anymore. But it's huge compared to Earth. The sun, the Earth is insignificant compared to the sun. And the sun is just one relatively small star compared to all the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. The millions of stars in the galaxy. And this galaxy is just one of millions of galaxies throughout the known universe that we can see. And they're just one of you. We are insignificant. But God has grace and mercy on us. He cares about us, even though we are so insignificant. I mean, that's sort of equivalent. I mean, if you cared about the ants that were in your yard, each and every one of them, can you name all the ants that live in those little anthills out in your yard? Think about if you could recognize every one of them and name them and know when they were born and know where they're going to die and you care about each and every one of them. God does and he can. We, we can't even fathom thinking about naming a whole, you know, a colony of thousands of ants. But God does. We're insignificant, but yet God cares about us. So God's speech is here not, is not about he doesn't care. He's saying that his ways are above our ways. He understands things that we don't understand. He's been here longer than we have. Verse 6, chapter 40, verse 6. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. So God's continued speaking. Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Would you really challenge my justice? Would you declare me guilty to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? Can you thunder with a voice like his? So he's getting to the heart of Job's questions. It says, you challenge my justice. You don't understand justice. I mean, think about how well toddlers understand justice. It's not fair. Why did my big brother get to do things that I don't? Why does mom and dad get to do things that I don't get to do? It's not fair. Well, we, 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 were much, we know much less than a toddler compared to God. Verse 10, adorn yourself with majesty and splendor and clothe yourself with honor and glory. Pour out your raging anger. Look at every, per, every proud person and humiliate them. Look at every proud person and humble them. Trample the wicked where they stand. Hide them together in the dust. Imprison them in the grave. Then I will confess to you that your own right hand can deliver you. Well, if you're a political leader, if you're lead of a, a country, a king or a leader, you have some power to do some of that but not throughout the whole world. 
not throughout all time. You still can't read the hearts and minds. You can only look at the evidence of what they did. And you're and, and, and even if you had the power to kill people and, and, and to express your rage to affect others, it's still only limited to where you have power. And it's limited to the amount of power that you do have. And to illustrate this, God lists two animals, the behemoth and the leviathan. Now, I'm not going to go through and read all, all, all the descriptions. But by the description, some people say the behemoth is a hippopotamus. When you read that, and it's like, that's one heck of a hippopotamus. There ain't no hippopotamuses today that fit that description. And some people say the Leviathan is a crocodile, but once again, there is no descriptions. There is no crocodiles today that fit that description. So what is it? Well, it's either a mythical creature, which I don't purport to, or Job lived in the time of dinosaurs, which I'm more likely to purport to. I meant you're anti-science. No, I'm not. I'm just thinking science didn't, didn't describe things well enough. We don't understand the layers. Things didn't take as long as we think they took. Can I explain it all? No. But there it is. And so God describes these two creatures and that he has power over them and we don't. That's the point. The, he, whether these creatures are real or not, he describes creatures that we don't have power over. They're too large and too powerful that man can't do anything with. Yet God can. Why, why do we ride horses but not zebras? Because zebras refuse to be tamed. Every once in a while you'll see somebody riding a video or something, but for the most part, you don't ride zebras. We don't train zebras. They're untrainable. But here it is with God. God is in control of it all. He has a handle on all this stuff that happens in our lives. Nothing happens that is a surprise to God. God has this. We don't understand everything. We don't know what the future holds. God does. And even when bad stuff happens, and we think, God, why? Ultimately, it's because of our sin. Maybe not any specific sin. It's like, can you name the sin that caused me to have this suffering? No. But we live in a fallen world. We all have sinned. Not all of us get punished for our sins immediately the way we should. Sometimes we get punished for other people's sins. But in the end, any good thing that we have is through the grace of God. The fact that God has not struck us down already is the grace of God. And that's the point that Job had needed to learn, what I need to learn, is that it's not about fairness, because in a fairness, we'd, we'd, be, we'd be struck down already. If there was fairness, there'd be no salvation. But God has provided salvation. All we have to do is turn and repent. 
So there is salvation there to be had. If we accept it, if we accept God's call in our life, he is calling. And so it's there. Job had to figure out why all this happened to him. And at this, to this point, he doesn't know. We're going to look at the rest of Job, Job's response to all this next week in, in the end of the story. And so we have one more study in the book of Job. But we know that God's got this, and we can trust God no matter what befalls us in this life. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for the love and mercy that you have. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. Help us to trust you. No matter what comes in this life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, thank you for watching and, and listening today. Let's see. Oops. All right. Clicking things to make things happen. Once again, I'm, I'm Pastor Nelson Nissi with Tower View Baptist Church. You can sec- check us out on our website, towerviewkc.com. We're in Kansas City, Missouri. Church is today at 1030. I thank you for watching. Thank you, Linda. Appreciate you watching. Cindy, I assume Doug's hanging around there with you. Um, let's see. I know other people there. Shirley, Don, welcome. Thank you for watching, listening. Uh, Darren's there. Um, so church today at 1030. Um, we still have the radio transmitter. Uh, so you can you drive in church if you want. Um, but church is open. Masks are optional, depending on your health condition and, and, and your comfort level. Um, otherwise, church is open as normal. Uh, Sunday school is, we have one cla- only have one class meeting right now. So um, we are continuing working on the Children's Center. Progress is being made. Um, and so pray for that. Um, if you want to help, you can help us. Uh, get, t- get in touch with me or Diane Shieldman uh, to do that um, at church today. Let's see what else. Oh, we were on the church calendar. There was a church picnic planned for today, but we're going to cancel that uh, between the rain we had and the rain that may be coming um, and everything else that's been going on. We're just going to postpone that for or cancel that for this month, and we'll try again in August. So apologize for that happening today. Um, continue to pray for a new worship minister for Tower View as we begin that process. Darren is back from vacation. He will be preaching today and uh, as such. So those are all the things that are happening today. I pray that I will see you here this morning. Um, thank you for watching and listening, whether you watch this live or you watch this on a recording, watched it later. Thank you for that. Um, and let's see. So God bless. We thank you for today. And we thank you for all that, uh, you guys are doing and, um, have a wonderful day. Hope to see you here in a, in a little bit here at church. God bless.